guys. Bienvenidos. And welcome to the Latino card. I'm JJ Saldana. I'm Nicole Foy. And I'm Rebecca DeLeon. And we are recording in the Radio Boise uh, studio. Today, we're going to recap a couple of things um, that's been happening in the news lately. I'm not saying this week because we've got a wide group of events. Um, but first of all, it was most recently Cinco de Mayo. and Or Cinco yeah. de Nada. Cinco de Nada. <laughs> <laughs> neither of you celebrated Cinco de Mayo? Heck no. No. Yeah, I was I in the either. mountains, and I regret nothing. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Who wants to talk about what Cinco de Mayo is and what it isn't? Well, I say it's more of an American tradition. It's not. I, want, I don't want to say holiday, but it's more celebrated, I think, in America than any other country. Yeah, for sure. The only place in Mexico that celebrates is Puebla because Cinco de Mayo celebrates the um, the battle in Puebla where the Mexican army defeated the French army. It was not, you know, independence. It was not, it's not even a big deal outside of that one town. town. And then somehow, I don't know, I, I should probably look into the history about this, but somehow it went from there to being this huge thing in the United States where for one day, Everybody gets to put Mexican stereotypes on and parade around. Well, it's good business, though, for Mexican mm -hmm. restaurants, I'd imagine. It is. But most Mexicans don't celebrate it. Most Mexicans here in the United States don't celebrate it. And most Mexicans in Mexico don't celebrate it. It's not even really recognized as a day to do anything. However, we, you know, I wouldn't say we. Mexican people typically don't necessarily see the holiday as like okay this is this is a time for everybody to put on their stereotypes and this is offensive to me if that happens it is offensive but a lot of mexicans are okay with um just for a day trying to bridge that gap having white people try to bridge the gap or not necessarily white people just anybody who's not mexican you know try and celebrate the culture a little bit and there's there's nothing wrong with that what happens is it gets wrong when they become stereotypes and then it becomes mockery and then that is what becomes offensive. So I would love to see like media because I see we, we I think we get more media coverage for Cinco de Mayo than we do for Hispanic Heritage Month. And I think we have That's to work true. in getting that switched around because Hispanic yes. Heritage Month is what most Hispanic folks, Latino folks mm -hmm. celebrate. This is more like, like I said, it's an American um, tradition. Hispanic Heritage Month is also during actual Mexican Independence Day, Correct. which mm -hmm. is the thing that I think is funny about people thinking Cinco de Mayo is, is Mexican Independence Day is that it's literally involving a different country. Like yeah. Mexico got its independence from Spain, and this is a bat, and Cinco de Mayo is a battle with the French. Like it's like a totally different <laughs> situation yeah. happening. Very, very different. And yeah, and it's and and also too in Hispanic Heritage Month, it's over like the. Um, Fiestas Patrias. I can't ever say Patrias. that. Fiestas Patrias. Yes, the Fiestas Patrias. Well, and it which celebrates like more than just ones. Mexican Independence yeah, Day. It celebrates yeah. several, several um, Independence, um, Independence Days. So, but Latin it's a American full month, countries. and I, I do, I do wish that the media would cover that more than they would cover Cinco de Mayo. So the Hispanic Commission gets more people reaching out for to do thing like do any kind of coverage for Cinco de Mayo than for Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah, we, I, for the most part, yeah, we get more calls on that. That's um, really interesting. Not necessarily from the Hispanic Affairs reporter, but <laughs> um, we do get um, <laughs> more calls, I think, on that. Listen, I and did my piece. I <laughs> put together taco trials 
for Cinco de Mayo, you can go and support a local business. Because so that's really like, if you're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, S- support local. Go and find a local um, taqueria. Go mm-hmm. and find. Taco bus. Yes, they're probably doing Panaderias a Cinco de Mayo too. deal because yeah. they want you to buy their tacos on Cinco de Mayo when you're out looking for them. Yeah. So like, there's nothing. And I think wrong you're probably that. the yeah. taco expert in the Treasure Valley because <laughs> you true. do. No, because going to yell at me and say they're the taco expert. No, I mean, I have friends who think they are, but I really do think you <laughs> are because you've actually gone out and experienced all these tacos all over, and you've. You've experienced. I've experienced a lot of many different experience types of tacos. tacos. You don't taste tacos. You experience she experiences them. them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you've done your research. I mean, by research the... you mean anytime I see a taco truck, you I stop. Pull yeah, over. yeah. That's... Thank you for your service. I know Nicole. it's very uh-huh. difficult. It's the most difficult part of my job. But I mean, a lot of people. I'm just on social media alone. I'm taking your advice on your, all the tacos. I think you've become the taco expert in the Treasure Valley. Well, I even congratulations. Have, yeah, thank you. It's a title I'll <laughs> wear proudly. Queen. Yeah, my taco profile. princess. Taco princess. Ooh. Or princess, huh? Yeah, that's true. I don't know about that. We can't. We'll workshop it. Anyway, um, yeah. Back to Cinco so. de Mayo. <laughs> we have taco eating festivities on Cinco de Mayo, but really, I think the ones not necessarily even media that focus on Cinco de Mayo. It's more businesses, mm-hmm. and so businesses. They advertise for it. Obviously, Mexican businesses or Mexican-owned businesses advertise for it because they Bars. do want to invite people to Bars. celebrate the country, or the country, the the the, the, the culture is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Um, but recently, for this Cinco de Mayo, we did have a business that tried to capitalize on it. It is not a Mexican-owned business. It was plastic surgery, oh. and it was on the radio. And we must give a shake of the finger, one chunk lasso. <laughs> to this, this we don't even remember the name. I of don't it. remember the name, but it traumatized I, it, me for life. Yes, it's like it was like oh, you guys, so Rebecca just took off her chancla. She's not happy. Yeah. <laughs> a chancla, for those of you who don't know, is the slipper. I think Coco, Sandal. the movie Coco, yeah, uh, made it, it mainstream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's been long standing in the Mexican culture. One chanclazo is like your mom hits you with the, the with slipper her slipper, or the sandal. Or the sandal. Um, so. That hit of the sandal for discipline is called a chanclazo. I've also heard it called a chancletazo. It kind of just depends on where you're from. And it brings a lot of fear to yeah, children it's, and yeah. Mexican mothers. Fear. It's one of those things that, so like being bicultural, there's a lot of times where I don't necessarily know what is a thing that my family does right. or that like apparently all Mexicans yeah, is this do. Normal? And this is one of those situations where like my mom would tell these horror stories of like my grandma like like you know hitting her from down the hall with the slipper yeah. and I'd just be like professional. Wow, crazy. Apparently like moms you know? have like amazing <laughs> aim with the chancla. Yeah. yeah. And the better yeah. the mom you are, the better you can hit at a distance. So yeah, yeah. so right now Rebecca <laughs> is pointing her chancla at this business, this plastic yes. surgery business. And well yes. like let's talk about really what was so concerning was and, and really kind of really what is a perfect example of what we don't like about Cinco de Mayo. Because yes. what I've always disliked about Cinco de Mayo is not the went that there's mariachis everywhere because like that's, I love that's obviously music. the best yeah. part of Cinco Heck de Mayo. Yeah. The problem is is people who have no interest in the culture may even be who may even be um, outwardly racist towards Mexicans the rest of the year. Very ignorant. Maybe. Take a gr- like this is Stereotypical. their chance to put on a sombrero and 
drink tequila and profit and and profit from it and so it's one of those things where it's it's frustrating so specifically the ad um that we're talking about is one that i've already tweeted about so i feel like it's it's <laughs> well, i'm kind of beating though, this to um, death but what was in the ad it was oh it was it was a very um it leaned in really hard into the stereotypes that mm-hmm. most mexicans who are watching stuff like this despise the most about Cinco de Mayo marketing yes. is oh you can get it was a plastic surgery ad in you know, telling people this is your chance to get your Cinco de Shrinko. Gross. And just so don't gross. do that, guys. Blech. Don't do it. <laughs> we don't like it. It sounds dumb. It went further than that, though. Yes. It was like the Cinco de Shrinko, um, get ready for fiesta time by mm-hmm. getting skinnier. I don't remember everything that was in it because I think I, I suffered like a brain hemorrhage in the middle of it. <laughs> I was but, driving and I was I was exactly. like, I gotta stay on the road. I'm so here. glad I didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So it's just you know, it's it a perfect, was bad. It's a perfect example of, you know, sure, Cinco de Mayo is a great chance to eat tacos and celebrate Celebrate culture, yeah. Celebrate culture. Good music. But don't don't do this. Don't do guys. that. We no. don't like it. Now that we've um, exhausted Rebecca, and, yeah, and scared <laughs> anyone nap. away from ever celebrating Cinco de Mayo <laughs> or advertising again, or <laughs> advertising ever again, let's talk about something else that happened recently mm-hmm. um, that was um, in the news. Um, the um, Idaho State Department of Education made the decision to restructure um, and rebrand some of their programs and vault, which. In- culminated in um, the migrant education um, director, coordinator, coordinator um, who, who's Christina Nava. She, um, Dr. Christina Nava. Dr. Christina Nava. Um, her position was cut mm-hmm. um, because basically migrant education, for those who don't know, is a federally funded program. And so now what they're going to do, instead of Idaho having its own department specifically for migrant education, it's just going to be part of the rest of the state's department dealing with federal programs like for example funding that they get for homeless students for you know different different things like that um so that was um quite a shock to a lot of people especially Mm -hmm. since part of the reason for having a um migrant ed um, coordinator for the state is to make sure um, that all of the individual school district programs have the resources that they need. are And that they're using the funding properly. They're using the funding properly because um, Idaho has not, not as much as other states, but we have a significant amount of students who are classified as migrant students, which means their parents work in agriculture or they, they work in agriculture. We're talking about high school kids. They could be working in agriculture. Um, and they move um, I think the time limit they put on it is three years. And the reason why there's a special program meant to help them with this is um, because when you're moving so often as a student and you're sometimes switching states, Mm -hmm. the math you learn in Texas in March might not match up with the math you're learning in Idaho in September. When the credits are so differently, uh, you know, you could have certain credits in one state and not have them in the next state. Mm So it helps work with those kind of issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, JJ, can you talk a little bit about, at at the Hispanic Commission, you guys work a lot with, you worked a lot um, with the migrant ed coordinator. You, you know, do a lot of, um, you know, you do you do a lot of work with this program, and also um, the person who held this position, Dr. Nava, she was also the Hispanic liaison for the um, State Department of Ed. So you Correct. can talk about what 
Well, Tell us a little bit about how you guys worked so with this So I sit on the advisory committee for the migrant mm-hmm. um, program. So, um, so I'm not really sure where that's going now without her, if it's still going to go forward or not. Um, but, you know, Christina Nava had been doing a lot of work. She um, had done some work with the McClure Center and making sure that all that data was printed out. And so she did two reports under under that and so and it's, that data is so crucial to have and um, so it's important that we have that she is very very knowledgeable in um, her job the most concerning part to me is who's now the Hispanic liaison over there I want to make sure that they also have representation of our people there and can you talk about like what was the what was the role of this person what you know what what, what did they do well I know one of the big roles is making sure that schools were using the funds properly because mm-hmm. Prior, I know that some schools were using it for playground equipment, for other stuff, and that wasn't really to be working with these students. And when they get this um, amount of money, it's to work with migrant students, and it has to go towards migrant students. And they can use it for a variety of different things, but it has to be with migrant students. So they could use it for busing if they're sending them to the conference, if they're sending them for this or that. Um, but And so they really had to oversee some of the schools because, like I said, some schools were getting the funding and not using it for their migrant students. Um, and then they also provide resources to all these schools on different things that they might come up with saying, so we're struggling with, you know, reading. So they can go and find some resources for these students. Mm-hmm. So the position for that, you know, that wasn't the liaison piece, the Department of mm-hmm. Ed coordinator? The migrant, a, migrant Mi- ed coordinator. So, yeah. The migrant ed coordinator. So that position is eliminated. So what does that mean? Like, what are the repercussions of the absence of that position? Well, my understanding, and this is based on the report I saw that that Nicole did, um, it's going under somebody else. So they still have, I think, a manager overseeing it is from what I got from the report that I read. And I know that they still have staff there that worked under her. So I know that as a migrant ed advisory member i'm still getting emails and i'm still getting the dates for our next meeting so they're still going to move forward i just think that they'll be reporting to somebody else so last week about thursday we started getting reports in spanish mostly about concerns about some kind of incident that had occurred out in Caldwell near um, Farmway Village, which is um, the Caldwell Housing Authority, the former Caldwell labor camp. So mm-hmm. it's a very um, it's a very rural area, a lot of Latino families out there, involving a bus driver who apparently had, this is what parents are alleging, you know, had yelled at them. Racial slurs. There's allegations of racial slurs. And um, then come to find out, in addition to this, in a follow-up incident, a high school student, because these were elementary school students on Good this grief. bus, they're uh, mostly from Wilson Elementary, um, going back to um, Farm- Farmway Village. The follow-up was these these kids, um, parents say these kids got off the bus and were very upset about something that had occurred. Um, the parents of these kids don't speak don't speak English, so they sent their high school um, their their high school daughter out to go talk to the bus driver and say my. My younger brothers are saying something. What happened? Mm-hmm. And parents and this girl are alleging that the bus driver shut the door on her foot and Yikes. attempted to drive away. And she obviously got out of the bus. But parents told me Thursday and Friday they had to take her to the hospital because, um, you know, she's 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 fine. Um, she was briefly on cu- crutches, according to <laughs> uh, pictures that were sent to us. But um Apparently, this was not the first time that there had been complaints about this bus driver. We so we want to be clear too. We the, these are just allegations. They have been reported, and the school district did 
um, call a meeting because so many parents were upset about what had happened. Well, yeah. There, yeah, there, there was a meeting on Friday. Well, good on the school for doing that. But yeah. is this driver still employed? Um, what actually happened? You know, did right. they, you know, has, we don't know the results of the investigation. The school district is still dealing with this. But this is a, it was a bus driver with the Cobble Transportation Company, who is a, which is a private company that contracts with, several different public school districts to pick up kids in places like Farmway Village and in other areas of the county. And a lot of people are raising concerns. You know, you can't necessarily say this is the problem, but it could be a contributing factor. When you have such a large population of Latinos and very few people in power who reflect the population that they're serving. So we're talking 61% uh, 61% students who are Latino, 5% teachers who are Latino. Do we know what their school board looks like? No. Uh, that'd be interesting. I might have to look into that later. Just Because if they have 61%, then 61% should be on their mm-hmm. school board as well. And I have a feeling that... I mean, representation of ethnic minorities in any legislative body is always bleak. Yep. And so, and it's especially bleak in Idaho. And so this is yeah. something that we've seen. It's not just a Caldwell problem. It's not just a Canyon County problem. It's mm-hmm. an Idaho problem. We have, mm-hmm. when you look at, for example, this year's legislature, less than 1% of the, um, of the legislative body was Hispanic or Latino. Why does that matter? Because 13% of the state is Hispanic or Latino. So there was one legislator that identifies as Latina. Yeah. And you guys did this Yeah, survey. we called every legislator. And let me tell you, when you asked them, you know, if they identified themselves. As, it wasn't, like, very friendly. <laughs> oh, wow. They, people don't like getting a call out of the middle of nowhere <laughs> asking, hey. like, hey, are you Latino? And <laughs> they don't like that? No. <laughs> why are you white? <laughs> <laughs> well, so why is this important, though? Like, this is something that the three of us talk about a lot. There have been conversations about this a lot. Why, why does it matter? Or why should people care that your elected officials or anybody in any organization represent or adequately reflect the community that they serve? Why does it matter? Why does representation matter? Yeah, why does representation matter? Great question. Well, I I think it matters in a lot of ways, and it it matters in different places. Like, you know, why does it matter in schools? Because, like, I, I always go back to school counselors. We are way underrepresented when it comes to school counselors. And what I keep hearing from a lot of students is like, oh, my counselor just said, oh, don't go into, don't be thinking about college. Maybe you should go into, you know, um, a technical school because that'll be a better fit for you. Maybe you should go into working as a mechanic. And the kid's like, well, I wanted to be a doctor, you know. And I feel like if we had um, Latino counselors that they could look up to and the Latino counselors can tell them, you know, oh, no, go into being a doctor. You, you know, if that's what your um, goal is and that's what your dream is, then go into that. And we need a lot more teachers also, because obviously you said 50 percent is um, or what did you, uh, you say? 61 percent. Mm-hmm. And, we only, on and we only have five. Well, most other school districts and we only are have five like percent well. of Good staff there. We don't know what that staff represents. And so who's really pushing our students? I mean, I'm sure that there's some great teachers out there that are pushing all students, um, you know, yay teachers. But we also need um counselor representation we need um representation and teachers um but we also need superintendents and because that know what our struggles have been i can tell that the devil's advocates say okay well we would love to be able to hire more latinos but there aren't any out there that 
meet the qualifications to be a teacher you get you need a lot of training you need you know and to be a, a, a legislator you need to get elected they don't understand that the system that they've already created makes it so that there are more obstacles for Latinos to get those qualifications when you're a kid and you're in school and you are white you are told you can be anything when you're a kid in your school and you're latino you see that your teachers dress up as the border wall there are two very different messages that say you know yes you can and no you can't we internalize that and we don't take risks and we don't think or say like there's a saying of like you can't be what you can't see and if none of your teachers are brown you don't think to yourself well i can be a teacher because there you don't think that that's for you you think that you know your future looks like what you can see. It's like a wheel that just keeps rolling and rolling the same way. You know, a lot of times this discussion happens when we're talking about like diverse representation on TV. How important that is, and it's. Be, I mean, like I can remember vividly like some of the stories and the things that I connected with the most. You know, like it. Like for example. Let's just, we're going to talk about my favorite kid movie, Spy Kids. <laughs> Spy Kids. You're adorable. You, for those of you who don't Great representation. Know, for those of you who don't know, Spy Kids is about a Latino family who, in, including our favorite, Danny Trejo, um, who is, who's, they're just spies. So like, it's just like. It's Uncle just, Machete. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so like, cool. it's an action movie. Look it up. It's awesome. You probably know what I'm talking about. That was a mind-blowing experience <laughs> for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if I've, like, I don't, I haven't thought, I didn't think about it much until I was older about how right. important that was. Right. But that was the first time that I saw people who looked like, like me, who looked like me and my mom's family. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it mattered a lot. It does matter. And it's like, it's not like I went out, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about because, like, obviously I wasn't like, I'm going to be a spy now. But it mattered a it lot. It does matter. But to you know, see that. it matters yeah. too, like in the news media, you know, when last year at our youth summit, Nicole came and she actually visited with our youth reporter and that meant so much to that little girl. Aww. And I say little girl, but she was a high school student who wanted to be who wants to be a reporter and it was such a great treat for her to actually talk to Nicole and hear what Nicole's stories were and stuff because she doesn't see other reporters that look like her and talk like her and so it was a great thing and so we need more Nicoles I keep saying in the state because exactly. um and well and it's true and <laughs> it I, is true though and you know I'm Cheers, you know, shout out to, you know, there's Twin Falls is going to get a Nicole, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can't call it a Nicole, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. And they're getting, they're kidding. Yeah, I, I um, La Nicole. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But I think that's a, a start. We need more um, representation in law enforcement. And I'm, I want to give a shout out to Boise PD and Twin Falls PD because they see that and they're saying, how do we get more, um, not just bilingual, yes. but how do we get more Latinos on the force? Because they know that, you know, that's mm-hmm. the one way that they can bridge the law enforcement and the community. And I know that there's teachers that see it as well. I don't want to say, oh, you know, white teachers aren't going to be helping our kids, but because they do. Sure. Um, but we need more representation in schools. We need more representation on college campuses. How many Hispanic deans do you guys know of? Yeah, I can't so, I can't name any deans. Yeah, right? so I mean, it's, we need representation on campuses as well. It's also one of those things too. It's not just like representation for the sake of like looking like your community. It's also yes. the fact that when you purposely are seeking out people with different backgrounds than you, 
And also, if you're seeking out people who have shared experiences with a significant part of your community, your organization, your group is going to look different and deal with these things differently than you would if you had just the what is the 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 majority in Idaho all all white people yeah it it just looks different because people like your culture your family where you grow up means you have different life experiences obviously then there's also personal experiences that happen only to you Mm -hmm. but it matters a lot and this is something that the the news um the national news uh, media are we're we're all talking about this a lot is what what is the importance of looking and being a part of your community um, and having reporters who represent that community it matters a lot because you're going to miss stories. That's right. That I mean, it's, and, and the other thing, too, that I think people make the mistake of, even though it's well-meaning and well-meaning mistake is it's not just about language. Um, I've had a lot of people say to me like, oh, well, it's just because you speak Spanish. This is why we're getting these stories, which there are certain times where I don't know how a story could have been done if I didn't speak Spanish Mm -hmm. or if I couldn't read a Spanish Facebook page like that is true. But also, I personally have had a lot of people open up to me simply because. they know that I'm Latina. They know Mm -hmm. that my family is Mexican like their family is Mexican. And as reporters, it's really important to have that personal connection. Now, I have to come in, as always, with something negative to say about all of this. (laughs) (laughs) There's a danger in saying, like, yes, there needs to be representation in whatever body is, whatever entity we're talking about. But we need to make sure that we don't tokenize Latino people Mm -hmm. and tokens mean like you hire one of them and what always happens and I I see this everywhere happening all the time is when you just get one and like you get one bilingual person and you have that person do everything like you have one bilingual person and so they have to translate for every department and then they have to do whatever their job is on top of that they are always required to do so much more than a person who maybe isn't bilingual so we i see this a lot especially in rural communities or smaller towns um in education so they have that one person who is like this person is at every school and is running back and forth and then during parent-teacher conferences is just going from conference to conference to conference and this person's just worn out by you know at the end just the fact like you because you have one person is not good enough like well and I can tell I you can, how many times I feel like a token just yeah. being the Hispanic representation in so many different mm-hmm. communities mm-hmm. Um, meetings and whatnot so mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like like I personally like I am super glad like I love the work that my newsroom is doing, but would love to get more people in there yeah, because I am be not the sole voice. I'm I mean I'm you're not the from, voice for all of us. Nicole. I'm not from Idaho <laughs> even. I like something I'm very passionate about is trying to raise up everything local- you say speaks for everybody, Nicole. <laughs> something I'm very passionate about is trying to raise up local, like Idaho Latino kids who want to be in media and want to be in journalism and empower them to report on their own community because they're going to know about their community a lot better than I will because I didn't grow up here. All right. So uh, to wrap up this podcast, uh, we just first really want to thank everybody who's listened to the podcast, everybody who has um, encouraged other people to listen to the podcast and everybody who has given us feedback, whether it was public or private. We have gotten a lot of amazing positive responses and we are honestly just so overwhelmed and humbled and really grateful um you know for the 
the responses that we got, we didn't know what was going to happen when we launched we this podcast. We didn't think people wanted to listen yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of going to be a fun thing I for us. Yeah. Okay, relax over there. JJ's psychic. <laughs> we, but we really are um, just so incredibly grateful to everybody who is listening. And we love hearing from you guys. And we want to hear from you guys and girls, whatever you identify as. We want to hear from everybody. And the way that we would like to hear from you is we want you guys to ask us questions now so we would like to start a new segment on our podcast where um, we call it kind of like ask a latino frequently asked questions rapid fire questions we're working on the name it's fine but we would like for you guys to send us your questions and we will keep them anonymous so anything you can ask anything and everything maybe it's something that you've always wanted to ask about you know idaho um the latino perspective in idaho about being latino in general the difference between latino hispanic latinx all of that well mm-hmm. then listen to our first podcast yeah, but, but something like that yeah something like that that you've always been kind of afraid to a- ask we're going to keep it all anonymous so that you don't have to worry about anybody being anyone on blast but please do send us those and we would love to be able to respond to those so use the hashtag hashtag the latino card and you can mail it or mail it Mail it. We, we don't, mail it. We I don't mean, use mail you anymore. You can mail it. I don't know where you would mail it. <laughs> yeah, so okay, don't mail send us. Send it electronically. There's lots of different ways. Go. Yes, so you can do it on Twitter using the hashtag the Latino card. Or, to, or tag us. Yes, okay. or tag us. Um, JJ, Nicole, and I are all on Twitter. Or at the Latino card is our, twi- our official Twitter mm-hmm. account. You can also email us um, latinocardidaho at gmail.com. We mentioned that in the first podcast but forgot to mention it in a couple podcasts after that it's okay we're evolving along with the podcast but we really do want to make this into something very big and for that we would love to hear from you if you want to give us some feedback if you have a question we really do want to hear from you so that is email latinocardidaho at gmail.com or you can at uh, the latino card you can give us a question on twitter and use the hashtag the latino card um or DM if yeah, you want to make it. If, if you, you want to make it anonymous, you need to be anonymous. You have a slide into our DMs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Ew. laughs> that happens all the time. Okay. <laughs> I won't name names, but you know. Um, so I also, before we get going, I want to give out a huge shout out to Ash Miller. Um, she is what we call La Jefa here. La she jefa. is the person who gets a lot of the work. She does most of the work. We just kind of sit here and look pretty. But she actually so does all it. the editing. She does all the recording. And she kind of keeps us on task. So huge shout out to our Jefa, Ash Miller. Jefa means boss. Boss lady. In Spanish. So La Jefa. Ash Miller, huge shout out. This podcast would be way lamer without you. <laughs> yeah. We love you. We love you. Well, like you. Yeah. Let's not get crazy. Right. Not as light as her DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to us this week. Um, as always, like we just said, se- um, feel free to tweet at us at the Latino card and we will hit you back and make sure you keep listening. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Hasta luego. (laughs) (laughs) We're so cool.